The facts. In a talent market that is more competitive and less understood than any other time in history, it's the facts that matter. Welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that delivers the facts, the latest research and data on the key issues and opportunities facing talent acquisition and HR professionals. Welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that focuses on the facts, the latest research and, and latest findings in talent acquisition. I'm Peter Weddle, the CEO of TA Tech. I'm Shalia Gray. I'm the head of talent acquisition for Quadient. So we want to look at the facts from two perspectives because uh, it's important to get a well-rounded, comprehensive view of what the latest research and talent acquisition is finding. So I'm going to take a look at it from the solution provider's perspective. And of course, Shalita will take a look at it from the employer's perspective. And for today's uh, episode, we're going to focus on a recent McKinsey & Company report, the top trends in tech. Before we get started on talking about it, first, I'd like to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, talent.com. The solution to finding talent your way. Work with the fast-growing, tech-savvy company dedicated to making the search for candidates easy. Are you looking to fill one job? How about a thousand jobs? Do you need a way to integrate your recruitment technology? Talent.com can find the answers for your business, and they can do it on time and on budget. Start growing with Talent.com. Okay, so as I said earlier, we're going to focus on a McKinsey and Company report called the Top Trends in Tech. And the methodology that they used, Shalila, for determining what were the top trends was, was pretty complex. They looked at 40 different technologies, and for each of them, they calculated what they called a momentum score. And that was based on six metrics, patent filings publications, news mentions, online search trends, private investment accounts, and the number of companies making investments. So they collected all that data, and then they rolled those metrics into a single composite score that they used to then determine, not necessarily, uh, despite what the title says, not necessarily the top trends in technology, but rather seven cross-industry trends that are being driven by technology and three industry-specific trends that are also being driven by technology. So let's dive into the findings. Finding number one, I think, is that the big picture for recruiters is pretty daunting. It's not just for recruiters, it's for everyone. But in this case, since we're obviously focusing on talent acquisition, it's appropriate to say that the big picture is daunting for recruiters. McKinsey says we're going to experience more technological progress in the next 10 years than we did in the past 100 years combined. In other words, almost everyone in the workforce today, whether you're a millennial or a Gen Xer or a boomer, whatever you are, you're going to probably see huge disruptions in the work you do and and your prospects for continued employment. For recruiters, it means that the jobs that they were asked to fill last year 
are going to probably be very, very different from the jobs they're going to be asked to fill next year and the year after. I mean, you could be recruiting for salespeople today and be recruiting for data scientists uh, in a year or two. So, Shalila, how do recruiters keep up in this crazy environment? What I'm going to say is it, this is this is as old as time. And there are very few organizations that have a workforce plan. Most people have a headcount plan, but not a workforce plan. And if you and if we as recruiters had a workforce plan, we would first know what skills are coming, right? And then we'd be able to look at the current skills in-house and in inventory and see which skills we currently have that we could build upon for the new jobs, right? Or what we need to go outside and buy. So for us as recruit for us in the recruiting world, it's the same thing we've always had, which is we're always behind the curve in terms of going to the talent market. If we had more insights, we would say, okay, if those skills don't exist, maybe we need to invest. I remember years ago when uh, pharmacists were a crisis and I was in a meeting with a friend and their company actually went out and endowed pharmacy departments and colleges and did a whole campaign to get high school students to think about going into pharmacy because they recognized that you know we moved away from just having pharmacists in drugstores and move to having pharmacists in grocery stores and whatever. That meant a shortage. It was always a shortage, but made it more of a shortage. And so they saw a pipeline, they invested in it. So when you say how do recruiters keep up, it's going to be very, very hard. I mean, I've worked in many different technical um, environments. When I was looking for chip people in the semiconductor, it was hard because we were we started to build the, these pieces of equipment that required faster processors, faster speeds. But these designers, it takes it has a it has a long longevity to actually create and design that to find the right people from that. There are few in the market and we all need them now. And so we're stealing from each other. So I, I think that, you know, as technology continues to move, we have to have IT leaders in our organization or CTO leaders that understands where their current workforce is and what the skills are. The longer lead time we have the more creative we can get in the recruiting space. Yeah, I think no doubt that uh, workforce planning is incredibly more important. Uh, but to your point, it's long been an undervalued and underutilized capability in, in most companies. So it, it seems to me that the place to begin is an educational uh, campaign up the chain of command uh, you know, we've, we've been talking about this for years, but unfortunately, the senior managers, the C-suite, they just don't understand the supply-demand mismatch. If they had a better understanding of the potential crises ahead in terms of supply and demand, they might better recognize the value of workforce planning. I think so. I, I think what they mistake it for is a headcount plan. So they're thinking, I need, you know, 15 people but they're not thinking about the uniqueness of the skills that come with those people. They're also not, not, not considering you know, where you find those people. They're not looking at the lead time. They're just assuming it's a commodity. But I will tell you now, I think in this last two years, since globally, there's just been a shortage of everything. Supply and demand, you know, it's hit your household. Well, now it's hitting your workforce. I think now they're thinking more about it. I, I really do feel like the engagement level of our managers has now peaked up. 
for years I've been saying that I think the managers, our hiring managers believe that there's a line of people going around the building and TA is just not opening the door fast enough to get them in. I think they now realize, even having a conversation with a peer, that there's this crisis is real. Well, the other thing that I think is is going on is that uh, in the past, supply-demand mismatches were often driven by the change in markets, you know, company growth, that kind of thing. And what this report is saying is that it's going to be driven by that, but much more by technology, by the introduction of technologies that, that aren't even in the workplace yet. But those those technologies are being developed at an increasingly or an accelerating pace. I mean, that's the key factor here. It's the acceleration of the introduction of new technologies. And, and what that means is that we can't do workforce planning the way we used to do, and that is to try to predict uh, demand based on where we think the business is going to be, where we think uh, we're going to introduce a new product or build a new plant. Now what we're talking about is completely changing the way we work because of uh, the introduction of these new technologies. And, and that's really a lot more like crystal balling. Uh, and it really takes a multifunctional approach. We have to get, as you were saying, the IT people, the technology people in the in the company, as well as the HR people together to really come up with a workforce plan that has any any value at all. Okay, so what we're facing, according to McKinsey, is a ever accelerating pace of technological progress. Uh, it's not a new finding. I mean, there have been other findings like that, uh, but uh, they also. Uh, to their credit, really get very specific. So let's talk about finding number two. By 2025, 50 billion devices are going to be conducted to the industrial Internet of Things. Uh, We've all heard of the Internet of Things, which is largely residential-based. This is the industrial Internet of Things. So millions and millions of processes are going to be fully or partially automated. Uh, or, 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 or otherwise turned over to machines. So, uh, for example, McKinsey says we're on the cusp of something they call software 2.0, in which programming is no longer done by humans. It's done by super smart machines. So, so what do you think? I mean, 2025 is just around the corner. And if programming can be done by machines in that near time frame, can it happen to recruiting as well? You know, for, for several years now, we've seen a shift with AI trying to replace or, or, or augment the role of recruiters in the, in the workplace. Um, I, while I, I hear that this is coming, I just question the adoption of it. I mean, it's taken many of us this long to get our IT groups to approve um, chat bots and, and all this other stuff. So while I see it's coming and it, and it makes the speed quicker, it's still a learned technology. It's got to learn from something. You know, all of this is learned technology. So I, I just question whether it will be implemented, even if it's here. You know, I, I just remember the Internet. You know, when the Internet first popped up as a, as a big thing, I worked for a defense-related contractor who had the Internet as an early adopter. It took many years for us to use it like we do now in terms of commonplace. And I've worked for a technology company who uh, created robotics. Uh, in, for the manufacturing industry and, you know, for other industries. And it took some time for people to move over to that, to adopt the technology. So while I see those new things coming, 
I just question whether our organizations will invest in it quick enough. Well, here's the wild card. Uh, in a in another McKinsey report, not this one, I saw this this piece of data, this fact that uh, really rocked me back on my heels, and that is that since the outbreak of COVID, so what two years ago, 2019. 68% of companies, so over two-thirds of companies, reported that they have accelerated the introduction of automation. In other words, what, what, what they were saying is, you know, it may have taken us 20 years to figure out how to use robots on the manufacturing line, but we as a business imperative are finding that we need to automate uh, processes and practices at a much faster rate now, and 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 they're apparently they're doing it. See, I I really question that because I just look at you know the amount of resources that we put on technology implementation, especially on the TA side. You know, usually we're sharing resources. So, for example, like you know, I put in work there several different places, getting time and space from the IT team to implement anything. So I, I know that they would value more of some of these new technologies because it would you know, decrease speed, it could potentially um, decrease the number of people. I just feel like the implementation, I don't think they're moving as quickly as, the, I, I, don't, I have not experienced it moving as quickly as McKinsey says it is. And I, and, I, and I would say that if I saw a company, I'd love to be able to see some of my peer companies out there that can demonstrate. So if there are those of you out there who feel like you're you're doing it at the speed of McKinsey? I'd love it. I'd love to read, read your case story. And that's the the key point we're going to get to in just a moment in finding number three. But but I think to your point, there are evidently, at least if you read between the lines of the McKinsey report, there are uh, use cases where companies have bought into this accelerated pace of the introduction of new technology. Uh, but you never hear about them uh, or, or you never hear about them at the detail, uh, a detailed level enough to really understand what happened uh, and what were the uh, the the improvements in the key performance indicators. You just never get to that point. So I think we we definitely need a lot more insight into whether uh, this is actually happening the way that these survey results would seem to seem to imply. But, you know, interestingly, McKinsey, uh, at the same time that they said 68% of companies were uh, accelerating their automation, 48% or almost half said that they were accelerating the digitization of customer channels. Uh, and, and we see that all the time, right? I mean, we, we, we have to be our own customer service reps these days uh, be, when we are interacting with machines. Um, and, and, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the candidate experience, uh, but, you know, we now are have conversational AI solutions. We have chatbots. That's a form of digitization of a customer channel in recruiting. Uh, and, and, you know, what do you think? Do you think that might happen in other aspects of talent acquisition? Um, you know, I, I do think that there's some pieces of it that can be digitalized. I mean, if you look at some of the things that we've just done right now, adding videos and, and all that kind of stuff. But when I looked over the trends and I, uh, the, 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 the 10 trends that they talked about, I felt like there were some pieces of it that could be like adding speech, um, augmenting um, with speech with some of the things would make it um, the, the candidate experience a little bit different. 
uh, I do believe that there are some pieces of it that would be very useful. Okay. Well, we've we've talked around the edges here, uh, but I think it's really important to get into finding number three, and that is that in 2019, so two or three years ago, more than 8.5 billion data records were compromised by cyber crooks. And, and McKinsey believes that the problem, uh, that problem, as well as other cybersecurity issues, are going to push the rapid development of what it calls, quote, the trust architecture. Uh, now, one approach that McKinsey suggests is a greater use of distributed ledgers, or the vernacular is, is often blockchain, uh, to buy, provide more efficient interactions between buyers and sellers. And, you know, blockchain has been kicking around in talent acquisition for a while, potentially as a way for job seekers to verify their credentials in a way that that recruiters would accept it. And that takes a, a load off of the recruiters because then they don't have to go through all that verification process. Uh, but but what McKinsey is not addressing is the point you were just making, the human factors, you know, uh, will recruiters and every other kind of worker happily accept all these new capabilities, especially when some of them at least are going to profoundly affect both their jobs and their careers? I mean, to put it bluntly, is a is 100 years of progress in the next two years too much of a good thing for us humans? What I'm going to say is that um, I, I do, too, also have the issue with, issue with around the trust factor and cybersecurity. There's a lot, you know, um, Europe, you know, attacked this with their with their GDPR, their data privacy several years ago um, and around candidates having access to their data and opting in and opting out. The U.S. and North America really hasn't gone that far. And we've had some of the biggest, you know, data breaches in the world around certain things and ransom software and all, all of that stuff. So. I just I get concerned with a with the amount of stuff that we're now putting in the cloud, the amount of trust we're putting into the systems, and I and I go back to you know several years ago the czar of the Internet of Things said we were we are just not capable of of uh, guarding data with all of the things in the Internet of Things, and so now you're talking about even more stuff in that space. And I just get concerned with how that data gets used, who has access and all of that. That's what makes me nervous. The things that give us convenience also give us um, the areas to worry about a little bit more. Well, human nature is what it is. I mean, we humans generally don't like change. And the introduction of technology um, is a change dynamic in many cases. So at a tactical level, uh, you've got, I think, s s the challenge of convincing recruiters that they can trust this technology enough that they should invest the time and effort to learn the skills to use it. Uh, but at the strategic level, you know, you're a, you're a vice president of, of talent acquisition. You also have to think about the gulp rate uh, of, of your organization and its culture. Can can they accept all this stuff? For, for me and my organization, because we are a technology organization, we do embrace change. Um, I, I think yes, but the issue is what space do we use it in? If you're talking about in the business space or the product development space, they're probably quicker to adopt it. When it comes in the people space and the HR space, 
you know, that's a different story. Because, you know, I look at platforms all the time. When, when um, these big ERP systems came out, payrolling, all of that, companies were likely to jump on board for a big name, an SAP, um, an Oracle. And then what happened was they downsold the HR parts of, that, of, the, of the work that they could do. And so basically it's free if you're buying all this other stuff. But it was not user-friendly, customer-friendly for HR. We came along for the ride because because they're really the soft spot the you know the sweet spot was really in some other product line so i am i believe in technology i believe anything that can you know automate a process um not necessarily a person but automate a process to make it more efficient more effective whatever then we should look at technology to make it happen i also believe that there's a lot of things in the operational side of, of ta that can be done through technology i'm a big adopter of that um, but my question is, will the organizations give HR that same money that it gives on the other side to make things happen? McKinsey talks about a trust architecture. It seems to me for HR, what we need is a trust infrastructure. Uh, and by that, I mean, uh, companies need to do a much, much better job of providing, as you were just saying, the budget, but also the priority the internal resources, uh, the attention to implement this technology effectively. You know, in, in, in some respects, uh, I'm going to overstate this for emphasis, but in some respects, buying the stuff is the easy part, getting it introduced into the organization, because by that point, it, it, you know, it interacts with we humans and we humans uh, have our own set of issues and, and concerns uh, that's really the big challenge. And yet, oftentimes, that's underprioritized and underfunded. And the other thing I'm going to say is, it seems like more technologies I get today, and I understand why, they're more customizable, they're more flexible. I think that's because of language issues. And we all have multiple platforms that we're bolting on. We have multiple systems that we're using. So the good thing is that they're flexible. The bad thing is, that means we have to do the, more on the implementation side. Because we have to do a custom build. And, you know, if you think about it, how many people um, want to build their house from scratch? Or how many people are more likely to go into a house that the bones are there and pick out the accessories? Or how many people want to buy a house that's two years old? And how many people want a house that they can fix or upper? There's, we're across the spectrum. But I'm finding that most of the technology I get today is so customizable that I'm spending more time in figuring out what I need. I you know there's something to be said in the old days where, and I, in the old days, I'm going to say it's five years ago, uh, <laughs> when technology came off the shelf, I had no choice. You know, my, my ATS came to me in a vanilla wrapper and it said, here it is. You get to put your brand on it, but this is how we figured out how workflow happens and whatever. And guess what? Most of us adopted our processes to the fact that it was there. Then this new concept of technology is flexible. Well, that's a great thing in theory, but how many of us really want to build that house? Right? Because, you know, I don't know anybody. So, for example, I've put in Workday a couple of times. I don't know anybody's put Workday in less than a year. Right? That's a year's worth of time to invest, to do it right. And, and, I, and so most of the technology that comes to me now, I spend a lot of my time on implementation calls. So you've got this challenge where 
uh, you need to invest a lot of time, effort, and priority to bring this stuff on board. And yet the recruiting requirements continue apace. You know, you've still got this daily load of wrecks raining down on, on recruiters. Um, and one of the things that companies often do, uh, I, I don't remember the exact number, but uh, there was a finding by aptitude research that uh, a very, very small percentage of companies involve recruiters in the acquisition and implementation of technology. Uh, and I, I, I suspect that the reason for that is recruiters are busy doing their job. So, uh, you know, they can't get involved. It's the funniest thing. Even the simplest thing to me, which is a CRM, right? Candidate relationship management that helps you push out campaigns, keep candidates warm, whatever. Most of my organizations, I have to, to continually remind people to use the CRM. And, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful tool. It's automated. Once I get them engaged, they like it. But when I look at, you know, the usage of it and, and you know, how many campaigns, what, and I've even done it to the point of having like an employment branding team run the campaigns out of there. I'm just, adoption is not, it's just not there. So these technologies just take some time. Now I create, it's the second time I've done it. I create a team called Shiny Objects because I can get an email any day. I can get up to 10 or 15 emails from someone with a new technology they're trying to sell me, right? And for me, I, I don't buy things because it's new and cute. It's got to solve a problem. I've got to figure out the return on investment or whatever. So I ask my team members, because some people, it's just like anything else. Some people love new technologies. So I've made a sub team in my, in my team each time, and it's called the shiny objects thing. So anytime I get a shiny object, I love object, that term. I, yeah, love that I drop it into a folder. <laughs> I say to them, here's shiny objects. Here's your, here's your charge. What, you, know our, you know our priorities for the year. You know our challenges. To meet with the vendor or communicate with them any way you want. I know one of my peers told me that anytime a shiny object comes her way, she asked them to send, her, send them no more than a five-minute video clip um, explaining the technology and anything else so they could actually pass it around among more people. But I asked them to communicate with the vendor any way they want, find out what it solves for, how it's funded, you know, and talk to if you like it enough, and then a proposal of how we could possibly use and adopt it. Um, that gives them an opportunity to see the hottest technologies that are out there, supposedly, because they found us, you know, and some of the technologies are good, but I created a shiny objects group. Does that group then participate in the selection of the 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 vendor and and implementation? So here's what we have. We have priorities every year. Every year we chart them out. So for example, one of our priorities this year is around candidate experience and hiring manager satisfaction. So they have they have the five priorities. When they see the technology, they can do a couple of things. They can shelve it for another year. Or they can write a business case of why it could fit into our five priorities this year. And then they have the ability to pitch it to me and the rest of the team. If it goes well in the pitching, you know, it fills the space, it has it, we've seen it, and the pricing model works. Because all these pricing models are built on number of users. Um, then I'm willing to go to RFP. So then I say, are there other people in that space that compete against them? If so. Tell me who, and then we'll work on an RFP. Well, that sounds like a great way to to uh, try to manage this tsunami of new products uh, that that comes at uh, talent acquisition. 
and they all propose that they can make your life the the best life ever. You know, and I one person like, I think it's just you're just creating a database. I think it's just a database you're creating. But they try to sell you on, on these new technologies. Um, and, and, and and a lot of these companies are small, but they all start off small. I remember early on being introduced to a company called Textia when it was relatively smaller. Um, it had a good space. And, and you're thinking, my gosh, this is a good little tool. And then it blew up and made, you know, became a bigger tool. So I believe that, you know, a lot of these companies get, get their start that way. You need one person to believe in you, a sizable company to believe in you, and, and them to spread the word and it gets out. So, yeah. Well, that's exactly, I think, what, uh, what McKinsey was suggesting is that uh, we're, we're going to have to learn how to deal with 100 years of progress in 10 years. Uh, so ideas like uh, the Shiny Object Committee seems to me a, a practical, tactical way to, to try to keep your arms around the importance of uh, embedding new technology in order to cut costs, improve time, but most importantly, to improve the quality of the uh, of the candidates coming in the door. Well, we've just about reached the end of our, our uh, episode today. Uh, just a quick preview. In our next show, we're going to take a look at another work trends study. It's Microsoft 2022 Work Trends Index. We, uh, Shalila and I have looked at a lot of work trend studies, and, and we, we believe they're important because they tee up the kinds of tactical and strategic issues uh, that talent acquisition teams and leaders need to be thinking about. So uh, we, we think uh, it's, it's really important, particularly this one, which has a subtitle, The Rise of the Metaverse. And I think we're all trying to figure out, still trying to figure out what the metaverse is and what it ain't. So we'll try to tackle that in our next episode. But for now, thanks very much for joining us. This is Peter Weddle and Shalila Gray signing off from Start Smart, the podcast that focuses on the facts. Have a great day. That concludes this episode of Start Smart. Thanks very much for joining us and come back for our next episodes on the latest research that will help you shape your talent acquisition with the facts. See you then.